to Trek Companion. This is episode 116. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Enterprise's first season episodes, The Andorian Incident, Breaking the Ice, and Civilization. Here we go. The Andorian Incident, Season 1, Episode 7, Production Number 107, Original Air Date, October 31st, 2001, Directed by Roxanne Dawson, Story by Rick Berman, Brandon Braga, and Fred Decker, Teleplay by Fred Decker, Music Composed by Paul Belergen, Guest Cast Include Jeffrey Combs as Commander Shran, Bruce French as Vulcan Elder, Stephen Dennis as Tholos, Jeff Ricketts as Caval, Richard Tanner as Vulcan Initiate, and Jamie McShane as Tactical Crewman. As Enterprise warps through the depths of space, Captain Archer decides to take the opportunity to visit a nearby ancient Vulcan monastery called Peljim, a sanctuary for meditation and culinary, or purging of emotion. DePaul briefs Archer and Commander Tucker on the proper protocols for such a visit, but something seems amiss as the trio enters, finding it suspiciously unoccupied with damage to the buildings and the artifacts. A Vulcan elder informs them they are interrupting Kulinar and must leave, but Archer soon notices a reflection in an urn of a strange alien hiding with a weapon. An armed assault would put all of our lives at risk, not to mention the destruction of the sanctuary itself. I'd say our lives are already at risk. Tensions between Andoria and Vulcan are high. Any casualties would only make matters worse. Steve, your image on Skype is blue. Why don't you kick off the Andorian incident? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I remember when this uh, when when this uh, episode was upcoming the first time and so on. I think the the biggest things were one, it was cool they were going to bring in Andorians because you know it's a orig- it's an original series alien. I mean, I think they made brief appearances in movies and next gen. I mean, but it's very very brief. You know, as an original series, so that was cool. You know, and and. Uh, also, of course, uh, Jeffrey Combs because of um, you know his roles mostly in Deep Space Nine and make you know obviously a fan favorite actor you know um, so that made it exciting. Um, I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was a fun episode you know the you know the uh, interactions and the Vulcans and the Andorians and that, that that was interesting to me the kind of the the history there of the interactions between Vulcans and Andorians and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my initial impressions and thoughts. Do they actually name uh, Shran in this episode? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure they said his name. I mean, obviously we know his name. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they use it in later ones, but I, I kept listening for it. Maybe I just missed it. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, of course, I agree with you. Uh, and I knew we would bring up Jeffrey Combs, so I did not put him in my six degrees questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... He's he is really he he's we've we've talked many times about how awesome he is. Um, uh, Adam, what are some of your first thoughts about the enduring incident? Um, I still like this episode, but I got to say I probably liked it a little less this time around. Um, um, I liked it for all the reasons that you know you two just mentioned. Jeffrey Crumbs is great. Um, we'll learn more throughout the series what a great character. Shren is, but um, I don't know. I just kind of, I'm already kind of tired of the, <laughs> of the angst against Vulcans. I mean, it's a little bit overt, mm-hmm. and there's not really a good backstory to it. 
um, why there's such an angst, why Archer, I mean, we talked about this when we first started the series, why Archer is so outwardly hostile towards Vulcans. I know they were trying to make the rift, you know, Vulcan, you know, in the series, but I mean, we're going to see it again in the next episode and I'm like already tired of seeing it. It's just like, okay, let's move on. You know, there's a lot of hostility towards DePaul and well, um, I'm already kind of like tired of it. I'm like, it's I, know interesting that, they get, get, I know they eventually get on with it, but it's just like, we're in this episode in particular. And I remember this being a little bit controversial at the time. Um, this is more in this episode. It's a lot more than just um, um, you know their arrogance or whatever and holding back humans. Blah blah blah. They flat out lie, you know. So I don't remember. I mean, I remember it being a little bit controversial the way that the Vulcans were set up and the kind of stuff you're talking about, the angst against them, that especially that Archer has. But it seems to me I remember an even more vocal. Uh, response to this episode, it was like, okay, well, now you're just making them bad. I mean, they're just, they're just, they're liars and do Vulcans. They, they, they exaggerate. <laughs> and, and the, but you know, the thing, this is, this is different. And the thing about, you know, with Shran, you know, we all, we all love the character in this series. I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. Um, but in this episode, um, at the end, Archer, you know, basically said, oh, the bulk, you know, he, this guy beat, beat the crap out of him threaten to cut people's heads off. And, you know, at the end, it's just like, well, the Vulcans lied. You can go about your merry way. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just a little bit, um, little wrapped up too nice and neat. And for what they, you know, for what Tran, the character did to Archer and what he threatened to do and that kind of all things to kind of just end. So, you know, like, Ooh, we both hate the Vulcans. Now you can go and we'll go our way. And so it just, well, I, I agree with one thing. I think this episode, <laughs> I remember really liking it at the time, and uh, you're right that some of those reasons don't hold up as well. Um, as far as you know, the Andorians are really cool, but okay, we've seen them now, so that isn't maybe that's not enough. Uh, there are some elements to the story that's maybe a little like a, for example, the the realization, the revelation, excuse me, that um, that it really is a listening outpost. I mean, I, it, it, that doesn't really come as a shock at no. all now, certainly. Well, it doesn't even come as a shock. Didn't even come as a shock to yeah. me then. Just the way, just right. the way they'd been setting up the Vulcans in this, in this series. I think I would have preferred to see more of a bonding between instead of um, Shren beating the crap out of them the whole episode. More of a bond building. You know, maybe kind of got a backstory where they well, could the have had a common. They're going to. The they're going to get to do. Yeah, in get the future, to. sure. Because they obviously have a commonality of not particularly caring for Vulcans, so. I think actually. Except, go ahead. Speaking of the beating the crap out of him, can, maybe you guys can help enlighten something for me. So he goes through this elaborate ruse and gets his face beat on a whole bunch more so that he can throw that little figurine through the hole <laughs> so they can confirm that that's where the hole goes. And then later, Reed just looks through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Did I miss something there? I um, know. It just, yeah, it doesn't. Would that not have been a simpler way to check? Yeah. To see if that's where the hole is? I don't know. Um. Yeah. I. I think maybe more. My. I think where. I think maybe where I have the problem with is that they're they're kind of dicks to DePaul. I mean, it, even more so in the next episode. And it's kind of like, okay, can we get, just let's let's get past this. Let's move on. It's like it's a little bit overt. You mean Archer? Archer. Yeah. Just. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit over the top. I don't. Yeah. I know they get. I know eventually we get past this, but I'm just like I'm already kind of like okay, let's move on. 
Kind yeah, of I, I, you know, I see where you're going. Um, I, you know, I still and I, I still have a uh, pretty positive feelings about this episode. I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's solid, and I enjoy it. Um, um, I don't know, Steve. What are some of your thoughts about this? Uh, you know, is the are the feelings against the Vulcans here um, already too much for you? Does it does it play differently now than it did then? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I um, my biggest problems with it are more of these kind of strange, like like the like the eyes in the statue and them kind of like doing this convoluted process to for no apparent reason. You know that kind of stuff. As far as the Vulcan stuff goes, I I kind of. Just accept that it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility that within these the span of time, you know, there can be some changes in the in the policies of the way Vulcans do their business. You know, I mean, it, I I get it that they're that someone might be offended or think it's inconsistent to think that they, you know, are deceptive when they, you know, given what we know of Vulcans and their practices, but. The, We've also seen. I think it's also in the realm of possibility that because of the way they are, um, with thinking that you know we're not gonna the, the humans are upstarts and such, and they are not ready for this, and we're gonna hide everything from them. I don't know. I don't think it's that inconsistent. It's not like it, they're they're doing something totally obnoxious, and it's like this is yeah, not with the Vulcans. You know, I, when I think about the original series, it's not like the Vulcans were all that evolved. There, remember the way that. Spock's father kind of looked at humans, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I can kind of I could see how he's better than they are here, uh, but not as you know as evolved as as he could be. So I could see how you know this the Enterprise time here for this show uh, is kind of the prototype, you know, the, the prior version of that. You know, I, so Look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not opposed to the concept. I'm not opposed to the concept, but uh, you know, I do, I do see how uh, it could get a little old or stale. Uh, I don't feel that way yet. We're early enough in the show that I'm not feeling that. Um, see, I agree with you, Brian. I'm not, I'm not opposed to the concept. What I'm kind of, what I think is lacking is like a setup for this. The, hmm. There's not enough. I don't know for the angst that they're that they're giving towards the Vulcans. I don't think they've given enough backstory for a reason for that. I would have liked to, you know, a justification for the hostility that they have towards them. I don't think there's been enough of that for aside from, you know, just the Vulcans' normal everyday arrogance, which we're all used to. But I don't think that's just enough to to have all this mistrust and borderline hatred for them. Especially towards DePaul. It's just even, you know, this far in. Yeah, well, she she sticks up for herself, you know, with the, the yeah. scene when he's putting the blanket on her or whatever. And she says... um he says, you know, can I trust you? He says something like that. And she says, I've always followed your orders. Right. You know, and I kind of like some of the stuff that happens and we'll get to it in the next episode we're going to discuss in a minute as far as all that's concerned. You know, I like the way some of those things play out. But um, I don't know. For me, this episode, uh, it's still it's still fun. You know, yes, mm-hmm. it's got that section in the middle is kind of like, you know, get on with it. Uh, and this this whole bit with the figurine is silly, blah blah blah. But for the most part, yeah, stuff like seeing the Andorians and and seeing him and Jeffrey Combs, maybe it's not enough to make it a great episode anymore. Like I, I remember at the time really thinking, really being excited, you know, 
and every every time they brought the Andorians back, starting you know because of this episode, like every future one, uh, it was like really special event almost. That's how cool yeah. it was. Yeah, time. he's a great character, Shrek. Yeah, pretty every um, pretty much every so that, character he's played has been great. And that says a lot for for this episode that it, that instilled that in me at the time. Um, so even if it doesn't, if some of those cool aspects don't let it hold up as high as it once did. Uh, I still think it's solid. I still think it's interesting. I still think, unlike some of the other episodes here, another great thing about the Andorian incident is um, intentional uh, story arc effect. You know, um, there's no way they thought of this as a standalone thing. Mm -hmm. Even if we never saw the Andorians again, this episode affects the Vulcans in this show in a very serious way, you know? Um, so this is not the, you know, this is an example of story arcs that take place over ep- uh, multiple episodes. That is the kind of thing that was, you know, for Bolton, uh, you know, certainly in the original series, but even in Next Gen for a long time. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that if this show was trying to be different and more modern, and obviously by the time we get to season three, we'll talk about that. And the entire season is one story arc, and and then the fourth season you had tons of th- two or three episode arcs and things like that. Um, so in the scheme of the show, it beca- this becomes an important uh, episode. And in the history, uh, you know, the future history for Star Trek, it, it, that makes it an important episode too, what, what's done with both the Andorians uh, and the humans and, and, er, and the Vulcans. And even if you take it through to the end of this show, when we get a peek at the formation of the Federation, you know, and you think about who's standing up there, it you know reminds you how important this show is. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I remember there were rumors of it. But then I'm I'm pretty sure I flat out heard Manny Cotto say it at one point uh, that if there had been a fifth season of Enterprise, uh, he would have made Shran a regular hmm. on Enterprise, like he would have been on the ship every episode regular. Hmm. You never you guys ever hear that before? That, no, I don't think so. I don't know any of that. I, 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 just, I remember hearing it as a, as a rumor. I think I think I heard Combs talk about it, maybe on stage at one point. But I'm pretty sure I also heard Manny Cotto say it, just in a, you know, what were your ideas for another season, if if you'd had it, and there was a long list, but that was one of them. Cool. Um, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, because I remember Jeff Combs talking about it because, like, obviously he did spend so much time with Star Trek, but he never got the, he never got a starring regular role and he always wanted that um i did i did enjoy the little scene with um flocks and DePaul at the beginning you know when they're eating. yeah when he brings up itic and yeah. uh mm-hmm. you know there's a lot between this episode and breaking the ice uh where tapal has to kind of you know analyze her own feelings and thoughts and prejudices you know and that that stuff's interesting you know and it's a subtle scene it's an early scene um, but it's it's effective, well very effective. Yeah, set up for the rest of the show. And that's why you almost get, you know, when T'Pol tells Archer, I've always followed your orders, she's almost a little bit of resentment, but I think it's coming from a place of, yeah, you can see through me that I do have these second thoughts about humans and my place on your ship, etc. Um, but it's not fair for you to say this to me because even with that, knowledge i've still always followed your orders you know 
Um, so there's almost like a deeper layer to his accusation and her response because of that earlier scene with T'Pol and Fox. So yeah, I like that scene too. Uh, you gonna say something else? No, I guess what? maybe that. I guess maybe what he kind of bothered the scene with Archer and um, Shren were. I don't know. Would you say he was displaying to Shren or or not when he was saying that DePaul wasn't his first choice for first officer? Or... Yeah, you know, I wrote that scene down too because he doesn't ever say something more concrete against Vulcans. He doesn't say something like, "If there's an outpost here, I don't know about it." He doesn't mm-hmm. say anything like that, which would be a little bit more like. Yeah, I don't think highly of the Vulcans, and, and they could sure as heck be doing this. He doesn't say anything like that, you know. He, I'm not saying he take he takes the Vulcan's side, but do you think he's playing? I couldn't relate if he was like it was. It was just him playing to Shran, just get no, t- kind of tell him. I didn't take it that way. I I took it really as him being being Archer. Uh, yeah, like totally just telling him the facts. You know, he wasn't lying. Um, I didn't feel like he was playing trying to play up to Strand or anything like that. And, you know, we see by the end of the episode, we see what he does mm-hmm. when he has uh, T'Pol give him the scans. Yeah. So I think that Archer is consistently on the side of what he feels like is the right side and justice. And even if that means he has to be on the side of, say, the Vulcans, even though he doesn't like them, simply yeah. because... These Andorians are coming in here in, in a violent way, and that's not the way they should be. Or if, if by the end of the episode that means suddenly he's on the Andorian side because the, it turns out the Vulcans were lying about this station, then then he's he's ready to switch because that's what he feels is the right side and the just side, you know. So I I don't know that he thinks of himself as as on one side or the other. He's on the the side of, of yeah. the just, and if that's Vulcans or Andorians, so be it. And, uh, you know, you can respect that because that means even when he doesn't like the Vulcans, he can still be for them because mm-hmm. they're the, the side, on the right. just side, at least in the first half of the episode, because he right. trusts them. I guess something that stuck with me that you said in our first episode of um, Enterprise, you said um, Archer, I think you said he's pretty angry in season two or three? Three, yeah. That's uh, my, uh, my memory is that he's just mad the whole season. <laughs> I've kind of found him to be a little bit angry in these first couple episodes, so it, I didn't quite remember that. It just stuck in my head. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of an angry captain as opposed to, even more so than Picard. Picard was just more of, he would just lash out. He wasn't necessarily angry the whole time. Well, what's this episode about, guys? Diversity, infinite diversity, infinite diversity, infinite combinations, and infinite combinations. Quick, uh, I mean, there might be something with the whole. I mean, I think the thing that strikes me the most is, you know, is that while we were supposed to be allies with the Vulcans, you know, our, obviously Archer gives Shran the. Um, you know, tells him to take this information and use it. It's it's kind of like a. I don't know. I don't know if it's saying anything about what it's about, but I think what struck me the most about this episode is this notion of, of they're they're taking a step towards, you know, we're only siding with, you know, what's consistent with our values, not not just siding with some species like the Vulcans or the Andorians or something like that. And uh, I mean, I think that's. Uh, I, I like that, and that's what I, that sticks with me most from the episode is how how it wraps up and Archer's choice and so forth. Well, yeah, that says something about Archer. I mean, these are 
more or less Archer's values because he's in control mm-hmm. of the situation. So it kind of tells you what, you know, he could just say, well, you know, a lot of me, was, uh, part of me was thinking he was just kind of crazy just because of the setup of the episode with um, Shren being beating him up and threatening to kill people. Like, why would he even, as much as he hates the Vulcans, why would he trust this guy? But I think, um, I think, you know, he still sticks with his values and what he thinks is right. All right. Well, Adam, it sounds like you don't, you like this episode a little less than you used to, but do you still think it's solid or? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a yeah. solid and episode. Steve, do you compare to how you used to feel about this episode? How do you think it's changed? I, I, uh, I like it. Um, I don't think it's uh, great. Uh, I, I think it's, I think what I always liked it was just the Andorians and Jeffrey Combs. And I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's entertaining. I don't know if it's fabulous or anything. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on to six degrees for the Andorian incident. Uh, Adam. Yep. Bruce French plays the main Vulcan uh, monk that the Enterprise crew first encounters upon entering Pajim. He also played in Ocampo. Ocampo? Uh, was that Kess's species? What was her species? Ocampan. Um, Ocampas, yeah. Ocampas, yeah. I also played an Ocampan o- 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 doctor that looks after Belana Torres and Harry Kim in what episode of Voyager? I have no idea. The caretaker? Yep, it was caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to just say that it was the pilot because it just seemed like it made it a little bit too easy. Uh, but you got it. Okay. Steve? Okay. Stephen Dennis plays Tholos, the Andorian that seems to have a particular interest in T'Pol. Uh, Dennis also played Crewman Thompson in the fifth season finale of Voyager, as well as the first episode of the sixth season in a two-parter that has the same name as his character's Federation vessel. Name the episodes. Hmm. You remember the ones? Thinking about it here. Is that um, Equinox? You are correct. One to one. Moving on. Breaking the Ice, Season 1, Episode 8, Production Number 108. Original air date, November 7th, 2001. Directed by Terry Wendell. Written by Maria Jacquemitin and André Jacquemitin. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include William Ute as Captain Vanek. The Enterprise crew is thrilled to encounter the biggest comet humans have ever seen, one that's 82.6 kilometers in diameter with a spectacular tail. Learning the comet contains large quantities of Elysium, an extremely rare mineral, Captain Archer dispatches Lieutenant Reed and Ensign Mayweather to take a little comet walk with a drilling rig to collect samples. As they prepare for their mission, a Vulcan starship, the Tamar, approaches unannounced. Archer hails the ship and its captain, Volnik, informs him they are not there to investigate the comet, but rather to investigate Enterprise's interest in the comet. What do you want to do? That is irrelevant. No, it's not. It's very relevant. Do you want to go back and marry this guy? Spend a year with him, ten years, a hundred years? Or do you want to stay on Enterprise? I have an obligation. You've got an obligation to yourself. Breaking the ice. This episode is interesting to me. It's um, it was, you know, overall I should say actually, uh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit at the end of our show today because I had an email that made me think about it. But overall, I'm 
I'm enjoying Enterprise so far more than I thought I would. Um, And these episodes, on average, are better than I remembered them so far. Breaking the Ice is a good example of that because um, I think Breaking the Ice is is a better episode than I I thought it was at the time, even. Um, I think it holds up a little bit better than I anticipated as well. One of the interesting things that for me that this episode does, I think, is... um, you know, we've talked a lot about A stories and B stories when we're discussing episodes. Um, and usually they're pretty distinct. And here, while there is kind of an A story, kind of a B story, and almost kind of a C story, you know, you've got the um, uh, trip to Paul bit, you've got the Reed and Mayweather getting the sample bit, and then you've got whatever's going on with the other Vulcan ship and between them and Archer and, and that whole thing. Um, and it never really feels like these things are all distinct in, in the way that, say, the average Next Gen episode, an A storyline and a B storyline. I'm not saying that, this, that the narrative has to like specifically cross, uh, but here they just it, just, it feels very seamless going from one to the other. Everything seems a lot, seems... It, it doesn't seem like it, it never feels like, oh hey, we had to have this script. We have this script that's coming up short, and I've got an idea for another st- story. Let's just throw this in so we can get the time up or something. It never feels like that. I think Breaking the Ice is a good example of a of a, of seamless integration of multiple storylines, almost to the point where it doesn't feel like ABC. And mm-hmm. I'm mentioning this because one, I think it's a good thing. Two, I think it makes this like it makes it feel a little more modern because I think this is what you know, more modern shows do. Um, sure, there are multiple storylines, but you're not a, you're not as aware of it as we once were because they're because they're they're more seamlessly integrated with one another and written in that way, written better. Is what I'm saying. Um, so that's one thing I like about this episode a lot that I think it does that maybe some other stuff doesn't and um, some other Star Trek doesn't. And um, I'm hoping that I feel that way more and more as the show's going along. Um, I don't know that the trip to Paul stuff is if you know if we if we call stuff A versus B or C because the A is the more important one um, I don't know if the trip to Paul was supposed to be the A but it's the stuff that actually I found myself enjoying the most and it seemed um, organic in a way that I didn't remember feeling about it before you know the scene with um, the scene where trip goes to apologize to her It'd probably be either that scene or a rare scene that actually plays in the back of the bridge. <laughs> Wish they did more stuff there. Uh, or maybe the scene where Trip comes to her quarters for the first time. Um, those are probably my favorite scenes in the episode. Um, well, what are your guys? Some of your guys' first thoughts here. First of all, I mean, did you have, do you have positive feelings about this one, like I did? There's one thing I would have changed about this episode. I would have made the um, the letter to the kids the teaser. I, you know, I had that same thought. I had because it did seem really long in the middle of the episode. Yeah, well, it, it, it had didn't nothing need to, to do that with long. it. That's that. That is definitely that. That scene should have been half that length. But it it felt like it, felt it had nothing like, to do with anything else. With the rest, it felt of like it. a teaser. It really did. It felt like a teaser. Yeah. Just had to get that out there. Yeah. Sure. No, I totally totally agree. I, I had the exact same thought in the middle of that scene. This should they should open the thing with this. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, that goes on forever. I thought that too. But um, yeah, I agree with the, definitely the uh, trip 
and DePaul stuff being the best stuff. I mean, it's because they have chemistry, and of course we know what happens with them and so on. But you know, it's it's interesting. You know, the the uh, how they play off each other, and that makes it you know. And I, and I agree with this whole notion. It's it's interesting coming into Enterprise after watching Next Gen because it's really very different how it's approached that way. Enterprise is kind of a, in a sense a stepping stone to you know modern television in the way that that continuity kind of thing works where it's not just there's a con- continuous storyline one to another it's there's several layers of that that uh you know may intersect other episodes and there's not a um this need really then to the 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 A B C however many stories all connect exactly you know they don't have to um, the, there's a recurring theme or something in all of them because it's a it's a continuous thing into other episodes and so it's it's coming off watching a lot of next gen it's 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 startling almost you know and then yeah. you kind of realize okay here's what I've seen in recent television and you know this is kind of a stepping stone into that mm-hmm. no I definitely yeah, yeah there's a the, I agree with you, Brian, that the, the scenes with T'Pol and um, Tucker are they're the best scenes that move characters forward and you kind of get like character development, backstory, that kind of thing. So they're the strongest of the scenes. You know, it occurs to me that the Archer and Bridge <clears throat> responding to those kids' questions, they could have connected that to the whole show if they just found a way to put the word poop in the other scenes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Our, uh, Trip goes to T'Pol's quarters. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the flames, the flames are there. It's really nice. And then she asks him, "What, what should I do?" And he just says, "Well, poop." <laughs> 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 that could be the episode title. Yeah, <laughs> just poop. Yeah, the, the episode title is kind of a. It's a little bit of. A, I don't know if they meant to do that. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of a double entendre thing between the two of them and the literalized, but. Um, you know some of the effects. Um, they're not they're not bad. They're 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 just they you know they're 50, almost fifteen years old TV budget CG effects. So um, they were groundbreaking for the time. Hey, I made a joke about breaking the ice. Hmm. Uh, well, but, you know they're fun. Well, well, the the funny thing you know you know um, Picard's Enterprise ever bumped into a comet, there would be some strange alien life form or some mystical power to it. It's kind of nice to have the simplicity yeah. of what would really happen. You know, like, okay, they go on a... There's no life form, there's no crazy magic, It just they just knocked it out of orbit. And so it's like more realistic probably what would happen if we actually went out and landed on a comet, what would happen? Well, I want to talk a little bit about <clears throat> about this this situation with the other captain and like that dinner scene, for example, um, it does feel a little bit like like if I look at all that kind of stuff, you know, um, when when the other Vulcan ship first arrives, and the sh- the guy says uh, the other the Vulcan captain's like, no, we don't want to participate in anything you're doing. We just we just like to stay here and observe. Do you mind? You know, and Archer's like, no, stay as long as you want. I mean, it is a little bit like. What are they kind of getting at? You know, yeah. and get that's the dinner scene, and it's still a little bit, you know. But if and it's still confusing to me. Uh, uh, now, what are, what does he I, say to DePaul? We never quite get that either. No, actually, we don't. I'm I'm sure somebody's figured that out. <laughs> um, but 
you know, if all that's if part of that is the payoff, which is satisfying and it's very good, and I like this bit where T'Pol tells Archer, "Hey, Vanek expects you to refuse. Don't let your pride stand in the way." You know, and Archer concedes. Now, I like that sequence for a lot of things. You know, this entire you know the, the the shuttle pod in distress in the way that it is is a great setup here and we do see archer you know struggling a little bit but to paul says that and i and i and i'm very grateful for any moment where my memories of to paul's role as first officer basically being she makes a recommendation and archer ignores her Anytime they prove me wrong in that, and I feel good. I'm like, see, I was just full of crap, and I'm glad. It's it's better than I thought because I had that memory, you know. And this is not the first time, and we're only a few episodes in. So I really like that moment. I like that she's doing her job, and he listens to her. And if she if it hadn't been her, if if, if it had if it had been somebody else in that position, if it if she wasn't on that bridge, maybe Archer, you know, wouldn't have come to that conclusion nobody else was going to say it that's for darn sure uh and who knows what would have happened to um reed and mayweather mm-hmm. um comic sickles yeah well so it's I, i'm just saying I, I i like that moment and it's it, it made the fact that she is who she is and she's a vulcan on that bridge absolutely incredibly important you know and, and it was totally organic and 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 logical that she would be the one to see through this she's it's almost like she's seeing through both sides mm-hmm. you know which is exactly what she should be doing as the vulcan on the human ship mm-hmm. you know? well, so, well no i agree with you it's nice to yeah you got this um you get a lot of di- so far you know only a few episodes in enterprise we have a lot of disagreements on the bridge you know and then coming from um next gen you know rarely did anybody speak out that vocally against anything Picard wanted to do. So it creates, to me, it kind of creates more of a, probably more of a naturalistic type of what it would really be like, you know, like people speaking out and that kind of thing. Possibly. I don't know. I've never been in the military, so maybe people do just blindly follow orders, but it builds that chemistry and that trust and, you know, you see Archer slowly, you know, it seems like when she, he listens to her when when she, when everybody knows she's right. We do get that a lot where he just kind of like, you know, we'll see it in the next episode where she like, I would advise against that, and he just kind of brushes her off. We see a lot of that, but I think when it's when it comes down to something really serious and really important, he he listens to her. Well, if we're, so, it sounds like we're agreeing that that's a good moment for both of their characters, and it and it and it is the payoff to the scenes with the Vulcan captain. Uh, that are puzzling at the time. That said, I'd still like to address those moments and say exactly what does Archer think the Vulcan captain is doing and exactly what is the Vulcan captain doing? Is he literally <laughs> spying? I mean, is he is he just sitting there and observing Enterprise so that he can tell the Vulcan high command what Enterprise is up to? I mean, that doesn't even that almost doesn't even make sense to me. I don't know. Am I missing something? Yeah, it's just kind of weird. It's never really explained. Um, I kind of had the same feeling you did. It's kind of especially for what they were doing maybe if they had enterprise doing something a little bit more spectacular it would be more justified for the vulcans to be kind of watching what they're doing but i mean they're just kind of you know this should be kind of routine you know getting on an asteroid or on a comet you know in our in our time where you know we're going to see people walking on comet or at least asteroids so 
maybe they should have had Enterprise doing something a little bit more spectacular instead of just digging a hole in a comet. Well, I think I think what bothers me most with this stuff is it gets so tiresome when Archer's so defensive about everything. You know, it's it gets it gets petty or something. You know, like what's the point of you know laboring on this and 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 always confronting them with so what are you doing and what you know it get it's yeah. just like a one one note thing you know what I mean just going on and on and on and it makes and it makes the character weaker you know I mean you'd think the bigger thing to do would be you just well, you know whatever you know and we're doing our thing and if, yeah. if our business is going to be we're going to do what we want to do and this is humans going out exploring on our own then ignore it you know hi how's it well, going hi you know whatever if it's that these humans are more like us and less evolved than than the original series or next gen days of humans you know and he's got these faults that are more on his shoulder that would almost make more sense to me. I think it would still get tiresome in the same way, but it would make more sense to me. But I don't think that's what they're going for at all, actually. Mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of, I was thinking they kind of had an opportunity here. Maybe they had the Vulcan ship come out and just investigate why the hell Archer gave all their secrets away in the previous episode. That kind of would have made a little bit more sense <laughs> to come out there and just do an investigation on that. Mm. We want to get, we want to get a statement from you why you gave away our outpost. Who knows? But yeah, I had the same feeling, Brian, again, like, why was the ship? And I guess maybe that's what they were going for. They wanted the audience to feel the same way that Archer did. Like, why the hell are they sitting here watching us dig up a comet? Well, <clears throat> like I said, the, the stuff that, that that I enjoy the most in this one uh, is are the, the trip to Paul things. And, and that whole storyline with the letter, you know, where he feels bad because he read it. And why was it even encrypted? You know, mm-hmm. and I, mean, I, I like that, that whole bit. And it, mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of makes sense, and it and it does give us this kind of organic point for them, the two of them, to then need to meet. And even that scene in the back of the the bridge there, when, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just it's funny. Actually, we're not really mentioning, but the, in almost every episode of the every one of these episodes, as usual, to Paul has the funniest lines yeah. every time. <laughs> you know, what was it last time? There was oh. Uh, whenever, whenever Trip got pregnant, she was like, well, three, three days. days. You were there for three, <laughs> you know. And like on this, in this episode, it would day would be, there are more letters in my quarters. Would you like to read them as well? <laughs> or the Andorian incident. What was it? There was something about the way humans smell. Something she said that was funny, you know. Um, so you know the the person with the that, that uh, doesn't express emotion is the one that has the funniest lines every time. So, you know, for her to deliver that line so with such a blank face, you know, the, there are more letters in my quarters. Would you like to read them as well? <laughs> There's, you know, she's not being serious. She's saying this. Yeah. Like, yeah. you ass, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's a Vulcan and she's doing that, you know. So. Hey, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. Does she have an issue with her spelling? Is there an episode where she has. The, the stuff that she puts in her nose. I don't. I kind of. I don't know if I remember that correctly or not. I was. Well, they talked about it in Andorian incident, uh, but I don't remember how much more that's addressed in the future, Steve. Mm-hmm. I don't recall. I don't recall. Um, so to, uh, surprise. This episode surprised me that I. I didn't remember it as being anything special, but I actually liked it. I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I enjoyed it by far the most of the three episodes we're discussing today. But mostly I want to say that I that this episode is better than I remembered it. And it's 
I think it, I think it was probably better than I better than I gave it credit for at the time. What's this episode about? Pecan pie. <laughs> Sugary you know, treats. It's so lame. It's so lame <clears throat> that they ended this, this episode of Star Trek with a shot of pecan pie because they have done that so many times. <laughs> uh, we're having I, to reach I, again by the standards of our show. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, what I what I got most out of it was the um, you know to Paul making the choice to stay behind. You know, not just feeling like she's constrained by her culture. I mean, I think it's again. It's kind of she brings up. She says those exact. She almost says the same things that that Trip says to her. She says those things to Archer to get him to, uh, you know, go past his uh, his own pride and ask for Vanek's help. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can make your own choice here. Right. I mean, and then that's that's what I got most about it was that you know she's. Um, you know, it, it, this is more of a character development thing again than in, like, kind of like last episode than it is necessarily what it's about. But this, but this idea of, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, stuck. You know, I don't have to follow the values of the, my the culture I'm from. I can grow and learn from, you know, my adopted culture here on the ship. That kind of thing. And so, she's you able. You can choose to, on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I guess a lot about like I guess a lot of the episode is a kind of about choice, you know. DePaul makes that choice, Archer makes that choice in this episode to to go beyond their own prejudice, prejudice and, you know, um societal constraints to make different choices that are not only better for them personally, but better for the people around them. All right, so we got we got an answer. I think it's a real one. Doesn't sound like it's made up. No. So this one holds up by the standards of our show because it's about something. Okay. All right, let's move on to Six Degrees for Breaking the Ice. Our score is one to one. Hmm, let's see. Adam went first last time. Steve? Yep. DePaul mentions her prearranged... Oh, sorry. Uh, the only guest starring this one was the Vanek, Vanek guy, and he did not play any other Star Trek roles. Mm. So just more generic type uh, trivia questions here. Uh, T'Pol mentions her prearranged marriage to Koss. In what season will we meet Koss? Hmm. Gosh. Second? Nope. Adam? Season one? Nope. It was four. It's four. There's that like a multi-episode arc uh, on Mm. Vulcan. Uh, Adam? Yes. What was the last line of this episode? I don't know. I was reaching here, guys. I've realized I've never asked that question before. <laughs> what was the last line of the episode? Yeah, it was, it was Trip. Trip says it. Um, I have no idea. Steve, do you remember? The last line of this episode. Yeah. And Trip says it. <laughs> I, I don't recall. I didn't realize this was going to be a tough one. Because um, we have to start paying attention to the yeah. last lines mm-hmm. of the episodes now, Steve. I guess. To Paul leaves the bridge. She says she wants to send the Vulcans a message. She leaves, uh, Archer says okay. She leaves the bridge. Archer asks Trip, "What was that all about?" And he says, "It's personal." personal. Oh. Yeah. oh yeah. All right. Uh, so. Still one to one, moving on. 
Civilization, Season 1, Episode 9, Production Number 109. Original air date, November 14th, 2001. Directed by Mike Beeger, written by Phyllis Strong and Michael Sussman. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Diane Delasquio as Rianne, Wade Anthony Williams as Garros, and Charlie Brewer as Alien and Akali Number 1. Excitement is brewing aboard Enterprise as the starship enters orbit of a Machara-class planet with over 500 million lifeforms. Visual and acoustic scans reveal a pre-industrialized society. Captain Archer decides the crew should explore the civilization firsthand rather than use probes. But the the mission becomes more critical when neutrino emissions are detected, detected on the surface, indicating an amateur reactor on a world that doesn't even have indoor plumbing. So Archer sends himself, Ensign Sato, Commander Tucker, and DePaul down to the planet to investigate the situation. Wait. If you don't work for him, what were you doing in there? There's something strange going on in that shop. I don't know what exactly, but I'm trying to figure it out. I think I started the last one and Steve started the first one and Dorian incident, right? Yes. Okay, so Adam... Would you like to kick off Civilization? Civilization. You were um, talking about the last episode, kind of how it kind of felt more like a modern story yeah. style, you know? Yeah. This one kind of felt like, to me, more like a a, a next-gen or Voyager-type episode, you know? I you wrote know? down original series, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just the kind of the investigation, even the look and the feel, the camera work kind of felt more um, next-generation to me than all the other previous episodes combined. Um and it kind of has like a you know a simple a simple storyline investigating some sort of um, mystery on a planet. So um, you know, so it's it's a pretty straightforward. It's a kind of a to me it's like a bottle episode. It's we're not going to ever see these people again. So I I thought it was interesting. I didn't think it was a great episode, but um, I thought it was our first kind of like um, simple episode so far in the in the Enterprise first season where there's no. Um, Vulcan angst or, you know, mm-hmm. you know, other weirdness going on. It's just them and, um, you know, a mission, an investigation mission about what's going on with these people. Um, it's kind of, I, I kind of enjoyed the scenes, you know, because, you know, on any of the other episodes, on any other series, we wouldn't be able to see this because they wouldn't interfere. The, the prime directive would prevent them from interfering with this and so on and so on. And um, they bring that up a little bit in the episode, like, oh, we shouldn't go down there. DePaul brings that up. We shouldn't interfere with other civilizations because it'll. we don't know how it's going to mess with their civilization. So we're just, it, it's kind of nice to see, like, the prime directive thrown out the window. We've talked about it a lot in Next Gen. What if, and so this is we get that episode here where the prime directive has no no rule of law here and they can just kind of do whatever they want and i'm sure it was good for the well, producers and writers they but yeah but it's not like they land the shuttle pod in the middle of town true you know, true you know they're still trying to be incognito they're, they're still kind of obeying the you know the prime directive in a way even if they're not conscious of it next well, gen Next well, gen, only because uh, DePaul had kind of insisted on it. Okay, maybe I'm looking at that from two Star Trek history a point of view. But I, I was, I would would have guessed that he still wouldn't have done it, even if she hadn't said anything. You know, he wouldn't have, just, you know, like I said, landed it's the shuttle in the middle of town. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. But it, but it is interesting to see that maybe then 
some influence for the prime directive comes from the Vulcans. But even then, she doesn't just say the Vulcan standard. She, I, if I remember correctly, the way she words it, it almost sounds like kind of the the galactic for galactic <laughs> protocol would be this way. Not so much just Vulcans, but anybody. Um, but yeah, this episode to me, it's not bad. It's not like um, uh, two weeks ago. The, I already forgot the name of it. The one with um, Simon and Simon's mom. I think that's probably <laughs> yeah, it's probably a bad episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but but this episode is just is uh, just maybe a little I don't know pedestrian feeling, a little average. It's not it's not bad. It's just it's not particularly good either. Actually, you know one thing that bothers here's one thing that bothers me in this episode: uh, the guy that plays Garrus when they first meet him. He might as well be twirling a mustache. The way his voice sounds. Yeah, yeah. Just, oh, is there any question that he's evil and, and killing people or whatever? I don't know. It, it, maybe they meant to meant for it to be that way. Maybe, but you know, why even cast that guy if his voice sounds like that? <laughs> <laughs> even though they're invest, they're invest, It's kind of a mystery, and they're investigating something. It's not really a mystery to the audience. To me, I, I get what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it, it's if pretty it's straightforward a mystery. It's a little bit yeah. There's no other suspects introduced or anything like that. It's this one guy. Okay, of course it's him. It's in his shop. You know. Well, and he's got an evil voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then you have, of course, the the uh, beautiful woman <laughs> uh, is, you know, it's just, it's just, um, I don't know. It's, it's nothing to complain about. It's just, it's just the kind of stuff that makes it um, bland and average and not stick out. Unlike say breaking the ice and, and even the Endorian incident uh, that, that do stick out, have, have more remarkable things. And I mean, remarkable in the sense of the word, you know, worth remarking on. <laughs> um, so, to me, this isn't bad. Steve, what are, what are some of your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think, I'm, I think we're all on the same page. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's mildly entertaining. It does feel kind of old school entertaining. You talk about original series because it's got all those components. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I, didn't, I wasn't offended by it or, or something in terms of its quality. I thought it was just fine, but it wasn't anything great. I thought it was just passable, but it is mildly entertaining. So at least it doesn't, at least I feel like it has a good pace and there's a mystery element, even though it's not that big of a mystery, but you know, it's fun. I think sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's got some cool. I like the, uh, what is the um, actress's name? That's the indigenous, what is, what's the character's name? Uh, Rian or Rian, Rian or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just like down apothecary every time. <laughs> I do like the line. Have you ever seen anything like that before? And he's like, "Well, actually." <laughs> um, well, you know, it gives the captain a chance to kiss somebody. Maybe that's another reason I was thinking about the original series. Right. Although if it was original series, the next scene would have been a different one uh, than the one <laughs> in this episode. You know, I mean that they wouldn't have just kissed. Well, you're saying Kirk wouldn't have made up some like, oh, there was somebody coming down the street. Just I'm kidding. saying Kirk would have said, "Let's talk about what just happened in your bedroom." <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do like that they they messed up the um, communication between the two of them. I mean, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. You know? <clears throat> it, it's still one of those weird things when you think about it, because the the only way that it works, the only way. 
it works. And you're just not supposed to think about this when you're watching Star Trek. But the only way it works is it's like the fish, you know, in Hitchhiker's Guide, right? Or whatever that is they put inside your brain, <laughs> right? They're, they're, somehow the translator is making them actually speak that language. Right. Uh, and then for the purposes of a television show that we can watch, everybody's just speaking English. And that's the only way that it works. So if you think about it, you're instantly all, all automatically completely removed. Aside from the fact that it... They never play it off like it's a technology that's actually making them speak another language. You know, they've never done that. They've never explained it in that kind of way. They just understand each other. Yeah. You have to take a leap of faith there or yeah. suspend so disbelief. I, I bring this up every now and then. But unfortunately, for as cool as it is to see a moment where the translator fails, it reminds you of like, how does all, this damn yes, thing really all, work? Exactly. All it does is remind me what a cheat every other minute of Star Trek is. You know? <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. It's I like, a, like maybe they should just come up with the hitchhikers kind of <laughs> forgot about that the, the the fish in the area. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys don't have a lot to say about this one. Um give me a, your favorite scene in this episode. Hmm. Wow. To me, the, I mean, I, I know it kind of sounds bad. I don't mean, I don't, didn't dislike this episode, but it's kind of just a bland episode. It's neither good or bad. I wasn't dissatisfied yeah. with it. Um, ah, favorite scene. I mean, the scenes with Archer and the woman in the shop are cool. Um, Did you guys realize that these aliens are aliens that were um, completely destroyed in the original series? No, what's the backstory there? Yeah, in the original series, um, in uh, in the Changeling, the one the Nomad, it's there's something about uh, Nomad wiped out the Melorians. Oh, okay. So, Mike Mike Sussman wrote that on purpose. So they're not long for this universe. Um, what's this episode about? I'm okay. You know, it's it's all right. Every now and investigating then, investigating wrongdoing that we don't say a lot about. Guy. You know, it's about investigating wrongdoing and finding the bad guy. Yeah, I don't think so. Steve? <laughs> <laughs> it's about as cool when aliens' faces fall off and there's lizardy people underneath. <laughs> it reminded me of V. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Robert Robert England back there somewhere. Yeah, it was, it was creepy then. It was kind of creepy now. I, you know, well, I'll tell you one thing I did like though. Just kind of jumping back before we get move on, is that I like how they respected the the you know the female lead character, the guest character, in the sense that you know it's it's a civilization that is you know the equivalent of I don't know, or, or yeah, something whatever somewhere in hundred two hundred years ago. And and it's not like they said everyone is backwards and dumb and can't think for themselves and yeah you know, I don't know it's almost saying like look there's smart people in any place and any generation and yeah. anything and we just don't all have the same access to the same things and we are a product of our time and this kind of thing but you know you 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 genu- genuinely feel like with that character you know I mean hypothetically she could learn to <laughs> uh, exist and work amongst 
the people in Enterprise and that kind of thing. I don't know, you know. And I, yeah, I, you're talking about this when when T'Pol first sees her uh, workspace, and then later when Flox um, is looking at like pictures of her. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And just yeah, her, right. yeah. and just her statements and her actions, kind of like she's helping to solve these riddles and work through things with Archer, even though she's at a serious disadvantage in terms of understanding the technology or what's going on and so on. Yeah, yeah and, and even when she does find out Archer is not of the world and all the fantasticals, she doesn't like freak out. And, yeah, yeah. You know, she she's able to comprehend it. She's intelligent enough, yeah. Thank you, Steve, for saving our discussion. <laughs> so that said, the standards of our show say that the episodes that tend to hold up are the ones that are actually about something deeper than the plot. Uh, and they have some kind of meaning and insight into the human condition. What is this episode about? And if, and if we don't have an answer for that, that would probably be in keeping with our all, all of us saying... <sighs> It's a rather bland episode overall. Yeah. That's okay, you know. Like I said, I don't think this is a bad episode. I, I agree. No, it, was, no, no. it was mostly entertaining. Hmm. All right, well. And then, you know, I, had, I, I have a feeling like, you know, a lot of the – because a lot of us have – we haven't seen these episodes over and over and over again. So, like I said, maybe if we this was like the 12th time we'd seen this episode, we'd be like, uh. So – I kind of feel like my judgment is going to be a little less harsh on Enterprise and say maybe next gen with blind episodes because it's like I haven't seen it. But this is my second time to see it, so I'm not going to be as harsh on it. All right, let's do six degrees for civilization. Our score is still one to one. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Wade Andrew Williams plays Garrus, the bad guy that gives it all away with his dulcet tones. He played uh, Trajus Loteric in the fourth season of Voyager when all members of the crew but one were put in stasis. Who was that one who ran the ship? Mm. The name of the episode was One, I think. I think. Mm. The Doctor? No. Adam? What season? You said it was season four? Yep. Um, seven of nine. You're correct. It was seven of nine. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam. Yay! The filming of this episode was suspended and everyone was sent home rather suddenly. What happened? Was there a writer strike? Nope. Steve? 9-11? You're correct. 9-11. Look at that. It, we ended up tying for the day, right? Mm-hmm. We thought Adam had it. He even said, "Yay!" You said, yeah. <laughs> "I ruined it." <laughs> you ruined it. Yeah. I think there was a couple episodes where I said uh, a couple episodes ago where I said the Doctor, and it was seven to nine, so it was kind of nice to get a flip flop back around. Steve <laughs> said the Doctor, and I got to say seven to nine. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, I wanted to uh, real quickly bring up a couple of uh, uh, one tweet and one email. Uh, Jeffrey Stone. Uh, tweeted as he was asking about um, he, uh, he said uh, writer producer Fred Decker said Hoshi might be the most relatable human character on this show um, in my response I thought this was kind of interesting because this, this reminded me of something that I'd been thinking about um, I, that's that's 
possibly true, but here's here's what holds me back in that. She's actually the one person on the show that her character almost seems superhuman to me. <laughs> there's you know there's an there's an element of it where I feel like um what she does like like I imagine Trip he could be you you could teach somebody all the stuff about warp mechanics in the warp drive. You know what I mean? Uh but what she does isn't really something that can be taught the way that she can assimilate these languages so fast, it, at least it seems to me, and maybe because I'm not a linguist, maybe there is some level of realism here, but it just her she's the one that it seems um, almost superhuman to me, and that means she is not as relatable as, for example, someone like Trip. And and this is an interesting conversation simply because the whole point of this show is that it's the closest to our time, and it's the one that has the most, it's the one that's supposed to be the most relatable. You know that was part of the revolution or the the desired revolution, at least, uh, whether or not they were successful for this show. I'm just wondering your guys' thoughts about that. Have you ever had the? Have you ever thought consciously about Hoshi's abilities? Am I? No, they're they're fantastical. Um, I think maybe what he's think maybe uh, what I'm thinking what he's saying is that maybe because she has a lot of angst about being out there and a lot yeah. of like the the hangups that maybe normal. Everyday people would would have and like you know everybody else in the ship has no problem seeing aliens. It's like a second nature to them. To her, it's like kind of freaky. Yeah. So I can see maybe that's the relatable part that might he might be speaking of. But yeah, her um her linguistic skills are um that's a good way to phrase it. Superhuman. Yeah, I mean she's definitely mute powers. Right, she's definitely <laughs> a prodigy. I mean, yeah, but I but I can see where there isn't always a. There's an always a connection with you know like a, a a skill that's you know just that indicates super high IQ or something and a personality that you know and and like like she has certain like she's um like we've seen in some of those epi- the early episode earliest episodes where uh, she's afraid to be out there doesn't know she doesn't feel like she belongs this kind of stuff you know that's that I could see that but it is interesting you bring up the notion that it's the closest in our time and when I really think about it. Uh, it's it's hard to feel totally connected. I mean, I don't with any of those characters. I mean, I'm not saying I'm totally in a disconnect. And I don't buy any of the characters, but I have trouble thinking about which what human character do I relate to most. I mean, I can't. And there's no slam dunk, and it's nothing really sticks out for me. What about on any of the shows? Well, at at the very least. On the other shows, I think I don't know. I'd have to ponder it, but I, on, at least on some of the other shows, I had characters that I relate to at least in the kind of a idealistic sort of way. Like I would like to be like that person, or I, you know, I, I I feel akin to them because of one certain thing. But with you know, and maybe I need to get farther into the series because as we discussed, I, you know, I've only seen these once or twice before, so maybe I just need to get you know in touch with these characters again. But I don't feel. You know, I don't. I can't really say at this point. You know, I connect with so and so, and I, you know, super admire so and so, and I want to be like them. And and the other series, I, I have those kind of things. You know, so I'm not sure. I mean, if I had to say what I would, I would go a trip because he's kind of like the everyday guy. Yeah. Uh, the kind of he's kind of got that working class kind of feel to him. So I'm, you know, I'm not he's saying I relate. I relate to him the most. When you watch this show, he's the one I you always feel like. I always feel like, okay, this is the writer's favorite. This is the mm-hmm. producer's favorite character. Mm-hmm. I always feel that way. 
mm-hmm. in this show. Most of the time in the other shows is if I, I would say, you know, the captain usually. Yeah. Um, maybe the last half of Voyager it would have been seven or something, you know. But but this show from day one, it always felt like the writer's favorite was was Trip. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just because he. he he seems more like a working class than any of the other engineers were. He seems more a little bit more lower deck mentality. I don't know if that's the, if I'm saying yeah. that properly. Well, and that would make him uh, even he's an officer and everything like that. Yeah, but yeah, he seems to be a little bit more everyday every day man relatable. Even yeah. you know, even in the, in the scenes in the second episode we talked about, it, he was like, "Yeah, I worked a double shift and everything was going wrong. Now I'm just here to." eat my pie and enjoy the simple pleasures, you know? Um, so that kind of, to me makes him kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of the simple everyday guy. Well, you know, and that, but see, that's what's funny is, I mean, I certainly like the trip character a lot too, but you know, I, I really dig the aliens more, at least thus far into it. You know, I mean, I, uh, flocks into Paul. I mean, we've yeah, already talked about it. They're just, but you know, again, as far as relatability, I'm not sure about that. But I certainly like respect the characters. Like with Flocks, you get this feel like that he's, um, he you know he he enjoys life, yet he's he uh, you know he, he's, he's not haphazard about it. You know, he 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 uh, you know cherishes life and is and is morally upstanding and this kind of stuff. You know, it's you know an admirable quality. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. That as far as liking the characters. Um, I was conscious uh, last week, uh, last episode of our podcast, I talked a lot about how much I loved Flocks and yeah. probably my favorite character throughout the show. These shows we watched today, I was very conscious of, I really like T'Pol. I really mm-hmm. do. I mm-hmm. think she's good in the role and I think it's a cool character and I like the character. You know, I really yeah, do. I thought the same thing, Brian. I'm like, why haven't we even seen her more in any <laughs> other stuff? Because yep, she's yep. actually a pretty damn good actress. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Beyond you know right. the, the obvious physical traits that they cast her for. <laughs> uh, the other other thing I wanted to bring up. Now this is an important one. Uh, Long time listener, he's written this before, and I'm sure I've mentioned stuff of his before. Dan Machowski wrote in, and uh, I wanted to read his email here. Uh, it's been a long road, and I'm excited to see that you're reviewing Enterprise. However, the more I listen to the podcast, the more I think that you come from a very homogenous sect of Trek fandom. I love the theme song of Enterprise, and I don't personally know any Trek fan who dislikes it. I'm aware of its general controversy, but I think that's more of a hardcore Trekker thing. The Everyman fan of the show seems to be okay with the theme song, in my experience. Um, and then he goes on to say some other things about how much he likes the song and the, the way it sets up uh, the show for him, and the right tone and things. Um... First of all, again, uh, and also to the the, our, the people that sent us tweets and things, uh, and then Dan's email here. You know, thank everybody for anything. anything we read everything. We we uh, a tweet, an email, whatever. We read it all, um, and uh, you know, we always try to respond to some of these things. Um, and I really appreciate this email that Dan sent us because I, I think this is very important. Um, I'm trying very hard to not be prejudiced as we watch this show, and and I do think I've, I and I even think I said it at the time, but I was I was I was probably going overboard with the song, um, but you know it, this is the point here is is to revisit these shows um, for a, a variety of reasons, and but one of those is because um, I do want to try to shed these prejudice prejudices that I have, you know. Um, and if I am ever saying or doing anything uh, that indicates otherwise, 
please, everybody tell me. Everybody write in. Steve and Adam, you guys tell me. People tell us if, if, <laughs> if Steve and Adam are doing it. You know, so it is really important uh, that we try to be objective in that way. Obviously, we're reviewing episodes of Star Trek. We, there's, there's a level of, of our personal tastes and opinions that are in there. And I could certainly talk about how maybe I don't – some element of it is, sure, I just don't like the song – in general, if it was on the radio, I would change the station. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, and I, and I don't think it's, it's not that I'm just flat out opposed to a pop song being the opening theme. I think I mentioned about how I, and now I forgot who it was, the, the pop song they used in the, the teaser that I said that I, I kind of liked, and maybe that would have been a cool song to use for the, the opening. But that, that stuff aside, you know, this general concept of, I, th- I think it's really important for us to always have an open mind, us being your humble podcasters here, myself, Steve, Adam, um, for us to always have an open mind as we're reviewing these episodes. And if we don't, then there's no point. You know, if I can't look at this and be open to liking it more than I did, like I felt today about, um, which one, uh, Breaking the Ice, um, I'm so glad that I liked that more than I remembered. And then, frankly, I'm so glad that I look back on it and think, you know what? I think I was wrong at the time when I, I think, I think I, I think I was still so upset about some things about this show that at the time I didn't like let myself like anything that any any episodes that were less than awesome. I didn't maybe I didn't let myself like them. You know, um, it was easier it was easy for me to like, you know, those few episodes of Enterprise that were my favorites. Looking back, you know, I don't know Observer Effect or. Or um, in this first season, the Dear Doctor and the one with the Vulcan Ambassador, just off the top of my head, you know, the ones that I thought were really, really so great that I, I couldn't deny that. But something that was maybe a step below that, like um, Breaking the Ice, maybe I wasn't fair to it at the time. And that's what we're getting from reviewing these episodes now. Um, so that's great. And uh, if I find that I was maybe wrong at the time then that I'm I'm happy to do that and I want to do that. And so even as far as the song is concerned, um I totally respect that there are people that like it. And one of the things I said in our show as we were reviewing uh Broken Bow was everybody hates the song. I don't know anybody that likes the song. <laughs> well, I can't say either of those things anymore. We had plenty of people write us who said um either that they were maybe indifferent about the song, which is not hating the song, or that they really liked it. Like Dan wrote in and said that, and he, he said he knows other people that like it. So um, I can say that I hate the song, but I cannot say everybody hates the song. That is not true, clearly. That is not true. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on this? Uh, but but it's it, it's good. It's it, This is great. Yeah, it's I, all, I, I, this, this it, is all any, anytime I'm proven wrong, it just <clears throat> it's an opportunity for me to learn more anyway. So yeah. um, what do you, do you guys have some thoughts on this? In, this in general, this this um, this need to um you know look at these things from with a fresh perspective and and how we stay vigilant in doing that no you know i think we are going into enterprise again as a fresh perspective um i i can say that about the the andromeda episode we watched i was really looking forward to it and then when i got finished watching it, i'm like mm, i didn't really like it as the much and the then i kind of, and our yeah. endorian thing and um 
I kind of felt bad about it for a while. I'm like, oh, I was so excited about watching it. But then I'm like, like, so I think you have to keep an open mind that there might be some episodes that you don't like and you can't, you can't be afraid to say, okay, this was a bad episode. Or if you like this episode, you can't be afraid to say, I did like this episode. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that enjoy the opening theme song. Um, I would disagree with Dan. I think most people don't like it and that's fine i mean it's it's not i think we probably spent way far too much time talking about the opening song um, yeah that's probably part of that and that was my fault i, I yeah. totally admit to that i mean you know the the opening i think my favorite opening sequence song is from ds9 it's a beautiful piece and what did we spend more than 30 seconds talking about it probably not so um <laughs> we spent probably a good 20 minutes talking about the opening song to Enterprise, um, which we can probably all, the three of us can probably say that we don't really like that much, but we spent more time talking about it than any of the yeah. others. But um, from now on, we can't say everybody hates it. That's for true, sure. true. But no, I mean, Steve. yeah, I mean, this is an opinion based podcast. We're all going to have our opinions, and the listeners out there have their, and that's what it's about. You know, feel absolutely disagree with us. Yeah, I think I think it's important that we don't, you know, generalize. You know, I mean, that's sure that <laughs> not, there, they're saying anything is universal all no one is obviously you know not a good idea at the same time i'd say that there are times for um, purposes of debate and discussion if we get passionate about something sometimes mm-hmm. you know uh stuff slips out that might be a broad generalization or you know at times i think that kind of thing can happen um because there is a subjective element to doing this so um i like to think that we're all we're open-minded to it and, I, and I'm i'm glad we have this uh discourse you know and uh we have listeners that that you know respond and that we can interact with in in these fat in these different ways you know i mean that that's what makes it all interesting and like we're otherwise we just we could make a recording here and just play it for ourselves every so often or something <laughs> yeah. i mean what's you know what's the purpose well you know yeah. adam it's funny you mentioned like being excited for andorian incident you know and i i was too remember i texted you before yeah, I, yeah we were talking i about said it. something yeah i was like i think we gotta watch some andorians this week i was excited <laughs> you know and i felt kind of bad too that i'm like oh this wasn't quite as good as i remembered mm-hmm. you know i felt kind of bad about that but then the very next episode breaking the ice mm-hmm. was way better than i than i remembered and even better than that, as far as learning, you know, and knowing that I'm now being objective is, was being able to look back and say, not only is it better than I remembered, I think it was better than I gave it credit for. I think I was, I was, I think I was kind of wrong about this episode the first time around, you know. Um, but I, I do think you're right. I do think there is some prejudice against Enterprise just because there are a lot of differences with it as opposed to the other series or at least the the modern yeah. series let's, yeah. let's take the original series out of the equation so um and that's why we're that's why we're reviewing it we're going back um i haven't watched this since it's been 12 years since it went off the air so and that's a, i think i said that's why i was excited about watching it yeah. going back and being like yeah. wow this is really what it was and just stepping back from it and yeah and i hope this stays i mean so far <clears throat> like i said so far i'm enjoying this more than i thought I would and more than I remembered and I hope this I hope it continues like this I really do it you know it you know what I was thinking about today when I was watching it like this is Star Trek you know <laughs> this is this still feels like Star Trek yeah it does I mean you know when we first started next gen there were several episodes that I dreaded watching again yeah and so far stuff, yeah. yeah I mean and there's only one episode that I dread watching in this series um but I can say that there was at least several in Next Gen and at least yeah. a couple in Deep Space Nine that I just dreaded watching and was proven 
proven right for dreading watching it. But I can only say that about one episode in this series so far, and um, I like that. I'm like, it's almost new. It's a new experience. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of what we're doing here is what's so interesting is that it's a, you know, these things are a product of their time, and we are going back and looking at it. And you know, if hypothetically we were to do this again with any series ten or twenty years from now, we'd have a different, you know, because sure. we're different. Uh, everything is different, and we just get, you know, there's just like anything, TV or movies. There's stuff that people lauded at the time, and later people thought was crap, and vice versa. And uh, you know, that's that's what that's why it's just a fluid thing. All of this, and why yeah. it's interesting. You know, Brian, do so, you think we could do a podcast on Battlestar in ten years and not like it? <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> well, we're 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 going way over in our time. Um, so thank you, thank you everybody that's written in, and please continue to do so. And it's great; it inspires these conversations. But even better when it expires, well, for me, and even when it uh, reminds me how important it is to stay open to any of these possibilities. So thank you very much, Dan. Thank you, uh, everybody that's written in, and thank you everyone for spending an hour with us. And we are excited to come back in two weeks and do the next three episodes of Enterprise. So thanks again, and until next time, take it easy. Good night. See you. I passed it.